First in Women's Football. Hi, this is Lynn Liberty Ellington. I'm your host for Women's Football Success. This is episode 1810-1810. And we are coming into playoff week two. It's a super, super exciting week of women's football. Um, I want to kind of run down what I'm going to talk about today. And um, real quick, a couple things. First of all, disclaimer, I am an attorney. I'm not your attorney. I do practice law in the state of Arkansas. Um, none of the information that I provide on my webinars, my blogs, any digital or written materials, ebooks, etc., are considered legal advice. This is all business information. And especially here on Women's Football Success, um, we're talking about business information to help promote and succeed in women's football. Um, on this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about understanding the significant difference between women's football and other football, because I feel like there's a lot of commentary out there about how we should be like this, or we should do things like this, or why don't we do it this way. And so I'm going to kind of give some um, differences that a lot of people know and realize, but they don't understand how they kind of correlate to why we don't do them or why we shouldn't do them or maybe why we should do them. Um, and then I'm going to share an article with you guys. It's uh, five things to fix about your women's football team. And the goal behind that is to offer some ideas and some strategies for people um, that have football teams that might not necessarily be doing as well as they should or could or want to. I'm going to talk a little bit about the championship and then talk about some upcoming webinars um, that I'll be doing as far as women's football is concerned. A lot of stuff to get through today, so hopefully I will be able to share it all. If for some reason I'm not able to get to all of it, um, it will go on to the next episode next Wednesday. Um, I pre-record the episodes, so I try to get them to about a certain uh, similar time length of, of one hour. And then we post them on Wednesdays. I usually try to get them. Well, BJ will tell you that I don't do it till Monday, Tuesday. Today's Tuesday, actually. So I'm trying to hurry up and get this out there so that there's actually content out there because um, it's really important to keep this going and the longevity of it um, so that we can hopefully get some traction and get people understanding how successful women's football really can be and how we need to uh, work together to get that done. So throughout the radio show, like this is a talk show. This is not um, evaluating any games or any statistics or anything like that. I talk to you. Um, I offer some information about my experiences in women's football, uh, what I think should happen in the future. And then um, if you have any questions or concerns, you guys are welcome to send um, emails back to womensfootballsuccess at gmail.com. Um, or you can go directly to my team site, which is the Dallas Elite Women's Football Team. Um, real quick, we're getting ready to, um, there's a couple things I want to share with you guys, but I'm not going to do that until I share it with my girls. Um, we have our end of season party. Um, I think that is three days away. One, two. Um, that's in two days on the 22nd. Once I share it with our players, 
then I'm going to share it out there with the community because I want them to be the first ones to hear all the information. If I shared it out here today, it'd be cool and everything, but I feel bad that my girls didn't know about it first. So anyway, so um, let's talk a little bit about understanding the significant differences between women's football and other football. Okay, so let's the reason I'm talking about this is because I listen to some of these other radio shows and they say, oh, well, we should do it like the NFL or, oh, my gosh, why are we not, um, you know, why do we have so many things? Why don't we do it like flag football or et cetera, et cetera. So, so let's kind of talk a little bit about this. Now, obviously, we all know NFL, um, National Football League, American Football, American football um, started a long time ago, very similar to women's football. Um, it was very, you know, grassroots, thousand bucks, five hundred bucks. Some of these, some of these guys paid five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred dollars for their team, which I think is totally awesome that they were able to build it into some of these teams being worth nine hundred million dollars. Um, not that I think women's football can do the same, but we could get pretty darn close. Nine million would be cool. Ninety million would be cool. But let's before we get too excited about that. Let's talk about the fact that uh, the National Football League started out very small. Um, I mean, we're talking leather helmet, right? We're talking before concussion protocol, all those good things. But if if you don't know this, there were a lot of other teams. They had the Racine team. Nobody even, I don't even, there's several states that Racine is in. I'm not sure which one it was. But anyway, I digress sometimes. The point of the matter is, is that the NFL had several teams before and then ultimately came down to having these uh, less teams in bigger markets, right? Now, let's kind of contrast that with men's semi-pro. A lot of times women's pro or women's semi-pro, depending on how you want to call it, uh, women's football is compared to men's semi-pro. Completely different things, completely different models, two different um, dogs in the fight, two different horses, if you may. Men's semi-pro is a second level or third level, lower level tier to the NFL. These are people that have played football for several years, um, didn't make it into um, maybe Canadian or European, didn't make it into NFL, play semi-pro. Sometimes it's just because they want to continue playing football. A lot of times there's 20, 30, 40 teams in a city or a large large city, met, metropolitan area. Um, some, team, some towns have seven and eight and ten leagues in a metropolitan area. So again, completely different animal than women's football. Another thing that makes us different than men's semi-pro is um, travel, travel expense in women's football and men's semi-pro are completely different. Also, the responsibilities of females paying to play and men paying to play. Um, and I've, the reason I talk about this is because I actually sat down with a gentleman that does men's semi-pro and has been doing it for years and I wanted to kind of get his impression of what makes it different and why why we have such uh, differences and similarities. Another difference is that in men's semi-pro, 
many of the men already own their own equipment or they've had their equipment for years. Um, and so they just show up and play with the equipment that they have, maybe pay $50 for a jersey and go out there and play. Women's is a little different. Many of the women don't come with a set of pads and helmet in their trunk of their car. Um, with that being said, um, sometimes the men's semi-pro games are played on stadium fields with lines. Um, sometimes they're not. Typically, men's semi-pro leagues do not require that the team hosting the game provide locker rooms. And in women's, depending on the league, um, in the Women's Football Alliance, um, you're supposed to provide a locker room for the away team. Okay, let's contrast that with flag football. Obviously, again, completely different. We go down to flag football, we're talking, again, more of a semi-pro model when it comes to lots of flag football teams in a metropolitan area. A lot of times many leagues in a metropolitan area. Very, very low startup cost for the players themselves, um, even if the league requires them to purchase the flags or purchase a t-shirt, they usually don't wear a helmet. It usually includes some cleats and a flag belt and a football or two there on, at the game. So com again, completely different. But again, a lot of these commentary, a lot of these shows are talking about why don't we do it like men's semi-pro? Why don't we do it like flag football? And there's a lot of reasons why we cannot do that or why it's not set up that way. Let's also talk about, and one of the areas that I rarely talk about is LFL or Lingerie Football League, which is, it, I guess it's now called something different. I guess they closed down and started all over again. Um, the difference with that is that um, on the Lingerie Football League, it's a one owner I believe it's eight teams now. All of the contracts, all of the rules, all the regulations, all the drafts, everything, everybody is paid by one owner. So when it comes to the lingerie football, because everything's done identically the same on, the same or similar on all of the different teams, then people can be held accountable. Everybody knows that if they go from one team to the other team or they get drafted to a different team, that things are going to be run pretty much the same. Once again, very different from women's football where the league um, sets up the schedule and the league has a set of teams in its league, but they do not require you to run your contracts or run your drafting or run your tryouts in a particularly in a particular way or specific to any sort of rule except for that you need to have a form team that has insurance um, before and have the girls sign waivers before they actually start to try out for your team. So while I find it's nice that we are starting to get more commentary and more shows are coming up and talking about these um, details, I find it very, very difficult and very convoluted that the different people are trying to propose 
different strategies and solutions for things that might not, um, that are not congruent, that don't line up. And unless they've done kind of the analysis and, and evaluated fully, it's very difficult to put this commentary out there that, hey, we should be doing things like the LFL or we should be doing things like flag football, when in fact um, the information that's being put out there um, doesn't make sense to do it that way. Um, women's football, um, it would be difficult for us to run women's football the way that it is running right now where we have the 60, 70 teams, um, where we have travel, four away games, four home games, um, and be able to run that like a flag football team or like a men's semi-pro or like the NFL. With that being said, hopefully at some point we'll be able to maybe get some of those components into women's football. But in order to do that, we can't just throw out ideas and, and you know, kind of throw stuff, you know, throw a noodle on the wall and hope it sticks. Um, a lot of these things need to be evaluated and, and researched and determined whether they're going to work. I'll give you a great example. One uh, strategy that uh, a team came up with, um, hey, let's go ahead and make it a, uh, let's make this next week uh, Women's Day. And every woman that comes in the door is going to be 50% off. So instead of charging $10, we're going to charge $5. It's a great idea. Sounds great. Sounds wonderful. Um, because the people that were coming up with it, you know, thought that, oh, this is a coupon. It's kind of like a discount. We'll make it a discounted rate. We'll bring a lot more people in. There were the exact same amount of people in there that game as there was the game before, but they made half as much money. Now, again, this is and nothing against the idea or the, the discount or the strategy, but it's a great example of how we need to flesh out the ideas that we have in women's football before just going and throwing noodles at the wall and hoping they stick and not fleshing out the idea that, wow, this is going to be one of the only opportunities that we have to make money. Is this the best way for us to do this? So that's just one example of why we need to understand the significant differences between women's football and the other American football and flag football that's going on in America and determine what we like and don't like about each one and determine what makes what we can use to make the best of women's football. So with that being said, I'm going to real quick, I'm going to um, jump to um, the championship game that's coming up here in a couple weeks. Hold on, I'm going to pull it up on my website. Real quick, because I kind of jumped to a different section I wasn't going to talk about yet, but that's okay. Um, so, okay, so let's talk about championship weekend. I don't know who all is going. It's, I hear it's going to be a blast. I've, Atlanta, from what I've talked to, I've talked to her personally and checked into all these things. Um, she's bringing it. It seems like, she, I mean, she's got her stuff together. She's really, um, just so you guys don't know, she, she's been in business, in the business environment for a long, long time. 
Um, she has some great ideas. She runs her organization like a business. Um, she is really, uh, she's working it. She's spending a lot of time on this and she really wants to um, make this event uh, the event that it should be. So I'm really excited. If you are not in the championship game or in the all-american game or even doing the combine if you're planning a weekend trip anytime this summer this is the weekend to do it i think it's going to be super cool so i'm clicking in here hold on just a second let me get back let me get back over here i don't know what they just changed their logos up on the page so i want to get over here championship weekend game info So we had round one. We're getting ready. So we got two weeks. So between round one and round two is a bye week, which is really, really nice. I don't know. I'm really glad that they did that this time because um, it really gives you that two-week breather time for, you know, obviously physical fitness and, and health and everything, but also um, to raise funds for your next travel. And then round three is July 14th. Again, another two weeks to relax and um, kind of get things back back on track. And then the, the weekend of the 27th, 28th is championship weekend. If you check out the championship event schedule, Friday the 27th, they're having Division Three, Division Two game. Uh, Division Three first at 3 p.m., Division Two game at 7 p.m. And then they are going to have a 3 o'clock All-American game and then the championship game. Now, there was, there was some information here for the Combine, and I'm not seeing – hold on, I'm just waiting for my – I live out in the country, by the way, so um, sometimes my internet goes out, but it still has up here best of the best – uh, competition it's not saying yet what time that competition is at but I'd be curious to watch it um, when the Lone Star Mustangs hosted a hold on you guys know I do this uh, while I'm multitasking um, when the Lone Star Mustangs hosted the championship um, I think that was 2011, 2012, something like that. Um, we actually did a combine of sorts for the fastest, the strongest, etc. And it really was, it was super fun. Um, the girls got a t-shirt very similar to what they're doing here. Um, so if you have a chance to go out and do that, go to Championship Weekend. Um, rooftop Pool Party sounds pretty cool. And then they're doing this like shuttle around town so I'm excited I I can't wait to go um, and see see what uh, now they've got some more stuff on here with coaches if you go down to the bottom they have the 2000 spot uh, the spotlights for 2018 coaches and player profiles um, 
This has to do with, I'm guessing the All-American Girls? Yeah, because it has all these different girls. This is awesome. Okay, you guys are doing a really good job. Go on there and check uh, WFAProFootball.com. Click into the championship. Um, and then you can look at the coach and player profiles. So that's a really uh, added bonus for that. If you guys are going to be there, I'm super excited to see you guys. Um, there's some of you guys I haven't seen in like 10 years. So it'll be really cool. If for some reason you have something to do um, this summer and you want to do a road trip to Atlanta, um, that's the weekend to do it. Okay, so real quick, I'm going to get on to the article that I'm putting out this week that talks about five things to fix about your women's uh, football team. So this article talks about, from an overall standpoint, um, whether you've been in women's football for, you know, one season or ten seasons, um, you are probably a struggling women's football team, right? I mean, most of the teams in women's football are not having huge, huge success. Now, with that being said, some of the teams talk about success in different ways, you know, whether it's success is getting girls to play the game of football, success is profit uh, from a business standpoint, success is sharing with the community, um, the opportunity for girls to do something they never got to do before, Whatever your idea of success in women's football, you are probably not meeting your potential. Okay, so let me let me say that again. If your success, if you rate your success on being able to get as many women to play football in your community, but you only have 20 people on your team, then you're probably not reaching your full potential. If you gauge success in women's football on profitability and you're not making a ton of money, then you're probably not reaching your full potential in that either, right? So no matter how you define success in women's football, you are probably a struggling female football team. Um, some teams are feel successful if they just make it from the beginning of the season to the end of the season um, without having to forfeit any games. And sometimes that's a big, you know, that's a big feat depending on what past seasons were like and whatever. Um, my goal for this next season, and I don't know why I say it's my goal because I really, there's nothing I can do about it. My hope for this next season, the 2019 season, is that we have no forfeited games because of the lack of players. Um, that would be my ideal, like, wonderful thing to happen. Uh, now, goal, I can't really do much to make sure that it happens. I mean, I guess I, I can offer information and offer guidance, and I'm willing to do that for sure, but ultimately... Our product as women football players or as women's football teams is we are only as good as our weakest link. That sounds kind of, you know, philosophical. But 
as as we've talked about on this show and other shows that talk about women's football, if if you come to one of my games and I only have fifty five players in the, or fifty five fans in the stand, and I go to one of your games and there's four thousand, um, people don't remember the four thousand people in the stands. People remember the embarrassment, remember the shock and awe of only 45 people being in the stands. And that does not lead us to larger sponsors. That does not need us lead us to profitability. Because if you are paying for a, a stadium that requires locker rooms and you're only getting 45 people in the stands, you are losing men, money every game. I have no doubt about it. So... While some teams feel that success is just making it from the beginning of the season to the end of the season um, with enough people to feel the team, ideally having a profitable, well-run business would be a huge bonus for all teams. Now, if you're already a team that's making money, making more money wouldn't hurt. If you're a team that's struggling to break even, breaking even wouldn't hurt. And if you're a team that's, you know, inching by, then five or ten or fifteen thousand dollars more wouldn't hurt either. So this really applies to I would say ninety-five percent of women football teams throughout the US. When it comes to women's football, there are so many facets that are working together throughout the year that ultimately determine the success or failure of your women's football year. In this article, I'm just going to focus on like five things, five components that we can fix that can help your women's football team be more successful next year. Just kind of a side note, um, first of all, these are not the only five components that need to be fixed in women's football teams, and that your team might not have all these five problems to fix. They probably do, but not necessarily. So I'm going to take the time um, to go through all of these. What I want you to do while I'm discussing them or while you're reading this article in a paper form or whatever is evaluate your team's performance in 2018. If you're still um, playing football, then you're in the playoffs. Great. That's awesome. That's only one component of women's football. But I commend you on that one component. If you're not still playing during the season, then you, you lost either during this last playoff round or during the regular season. It does not mean that you are a failure. If you think about women's football or you think about the NFL, everybody but one team loses, right? Only the Super Bowl champions are the ones that don't lose that last game. And even throughout the process of getting to Super Bowl champions, they lose games. So a lot of these teams take it really, really hard when they have one loss or two loss. 
that still doesn't mean that you can't make it to the championship. Um, but whether you are done with your regular season or you're headed to the playoffs, I want you to take a, a few moments to evaluate your team's performance in 2018. And you want to ask yourself and your staff and your management and your players if things could have been done differently. And you might even want to create a maybe a, a survey of some sort or maybe a, a way that people can answer questions and whatever. Um, but give everybody the opportunity to maybe voice their opinions. Maybe just even voicing their opinions will make them feel better about how the season went. But once you've done that and you may or may not want to take into consideration some of the comments. Sometimes people just have problems with other people on the team and those are kind of just, you know, going to happen when you have 40 or 50 women working together. But then after you've done that, I want you to create a plan to make changes and revise the processes to do better next time. So if you, you know, I don't want you to be a one, what I call a one season wonder. Um, you show up for one season, you play, you don't do very good, you haven't been able to figure out women's football, and then you go by the wayside and you're done. Um, for some teams, that will happen. For some teams, it should happen. However, if you are in it for the long haul, create a plan to make the changes, revise the way that you did things before, and let's do them better next time. So here are the five things to fix about your women's football team. Um, they're what I call the five P's. Um, this is not to be confused with the four P's of marketing. For those of you that are um, in the business industry or majored in business, there's the four P's of marketing. Um, that's not what I'm talking about here. These are just, these are specific to women's football. I feel that these five components um, of women's football that if you put a good amount of effort towards them, you will have the most impact on your overall success, results, and profitability for your female football team, okay? So you don't have to spend time on all facets. Um, you may feel that only one or two need to be fixed. I will tell you though, you're probably wrong. If you are a female football team that is struggling and you continue to struggle, I would work at least a little bit, if not a lot, on all five of these P's. So I'm going to tell you the five and then I'm going to go through them step by step uh, what they are. So the five things to fix about your women's football team, your product, your producers, your productivity, potential opportunities, and promotion. Let me say those again. Product, producers, productivity, potential opportunity, and promotion. So, sorry, I have to take a couple sips of my Diet Pepsi while I talk for an hour um, and get all this stuff out there because I want to make sure I get it all recorded so that I can send it off to BJ as fast as possible. Um, okay, so... Let's talk about each component and see 
how each part affects your ability to be successful in women's football. And okay, so we're talking about 2019. Let's move move away from 2018. Get it out of your head. I mean, you should know now what you did wrong or what you didn't start early enough or what what you didn't spend time on, right? First, let's talk about um, the product when it comes to women's football and how to fix the product. You hear all the amateur radio show personalities talking about these blowouts and how teams aren't showing up and um, they're blaming the teams that show up for kicking their butts, which again, you know, it's it's not good for women's football and it's not good for business when pe when teams win 45 to zip. But a lot of times teams can't help it. And, and I don't mean to make excuses for the teams that win or win 75 to zip, but sometimes they put their third and fourth string players in and they're still getting touchdowns. Um, but of course, doing things, you know, not running the clock, etc., um, doesn't help. But with that being said, it is difficult to get a football team that is a new startup up to the caliber of a 10-year team in two, three, four months. It's super, super difficult to get people to understand the fundamentals and understand things to a level of a 10-year veteran group of women. Because um, a lot of these teams, if you look at the ones that are in the top seven to 10 each year, have a gr core group of girls, maybe 15, 20 girls that have been together for a long period of time. However, with the number of teams in the league, it is what it is. Established teams must play new teams. And I know that there's people that disagree with the fact that this should happen. But unless there is a way to establish 60 teams in each and every tier, you will ultimately have to play teams that have been more established than you. Otherwise, you're going to play the same two or three or four teams for the entire season. There's just no way to, for us to create a three-tier league with 60 teams in each tier. That'd be 180 teams minimum. Um, you think you're having a hard time with 60, 70 teams. Think about creating 180 of them. That would just be crazy. So the other solution, rather than, you know, complaining and whining about having to play teams that are tougher or more difficult, how about we work on the solution and spend more time on bu building the quality of football play than building more tiers or different levels or, or only I'll only play for a division three team. I'll only division three will only play division three. It, just, it doesn't make mathematical sense to be able to do that. So if we, looked at another possible solution of building the quality of football play. This is something that I feel is more doable than building 180 teams. We can increase the amount of practice time. We can increase the quality of football play. We can spend more effort on watching film. 
We can learn more about the game of football. Each and every team can spend more time on these things as opposed to trying to create 180 women's football teams. Okay, so that's my first P. That's five things to fix about your women's football team. Number one is your product. Number two, let's look at your producers. Product, number one. Producers, number two. So who are your producers on your women's football team? Well, there's several of them. You got the owners, the managers, the support staff, the coaches, the players. They are all producers within your organization. Now the football players produce the football. The support staff produces the events. The coaches produce the plays, the schemes, the practices, etc. I hope that all makes sense to you that the players are not the only producers or the players and the owners are not the only producers. Um, they have different responsibilities, but they're all producers. So what you need to do is in this evaluation I talked about where I said sit down and let's evaluate 2018 and see where we came up short. Was it in our ownership? Was it in our owner's inability to create opportunities for the team? Was it in our coaching staff not having enough coaches to um, practice? Is it a not, not enough levels of coaches to be able to give each set of players or the O-line, D-line, etc. enough attention or enough time to work on skills <coughs> for our skills team? So in that evaluation, let's look at our producers and determine who did not produce. Now you may come up, you may go through this and say, hey, we had 40, 40 players, but only 10 of them produced. And we, that'll be a whole nother, that'll be a whole nother discussion later on. Um, you don't want to start getting rid of players that maybe didn't produce this season that possibly could produce next season. But we'll talk about that in another episode. But if you're having, you know, coaching disagreements and, and back and forth between coaching staff, um, then it may be time to evaluate which coaches are working, which coaches are not. Same thing with managers and support staff. A lot of times these are volunteers. Um, so it's important to appreciate their time and their effort that they put into it. But it's also important to realize that this is a business and that we need to get the right people in the right positions to be successful. Okay, so that's producers. Now let's talk about productivity. It's not only important the product that you put out. And it's not only important the people that you have producing within your organization. But how productive are they doing it? How productive are they producing? And how productive is your product? 
Ideally, your your women's football team should be running like a well-oiled machine. If you feel that things are confusing and disorganized and just nobody knows from one thing to the next, then you may be in an area that you need to work on uh, within your team. So I get a couple different scenarios from people that I talk to. Let's talk about productivity um, when it comes to event planning. So some teams are super, super awesome at event planning. They go and they put out all these great events and they're really good at putting out invitations and inviting people and social media and it's awesome. But because they only make $200 or $300 at every event, they have to participate in 35 events every year. And the players are exhausted. They don't have time to go to all these events. Um, the staff can't do it. The event planners are tired because they're having to plan so much stuff. So that's one example of having great producers, but not very good productivity. On the other side of that, you may be very, very productive. You may have a team that can do some crazy events. You can raise $10,000 on a fundraiser, but you have horrible football, horrible product. That, that's, that's common as well. So when we're thinking about these different components, obviously you wanna look at all five of them because I would have to say that if you're in women's football, you're struggling and all of these areas can be looked at. However, there are gonna be a couple that, are, that need to be more looked at than others. Okay, so productivity. So let's talk about number four, potential opportunity. A lot of people don't even think about this component when they, uh, when they think of women's football. Potential opportunities in women's football are so important. If you think about a full regular season, your team has four regular season games, if they're lucky, and four away games. This is not uncommon. However, you probably don't realize that your entire team only has those four opportunities to make as much money as they possibly can to carry them through all of the away games and maybe into postseason play. So if you are discounting those tickets, like I talked about earlier, if you're trying to give coupons to people, potential people to come to your games that you knew were already going to come, but now you're going to give them half price, you are hurting yourself rather than helping yourself. So you need to take the time to expand the possible potential opportunities for making money. It is almost impossible to have a successful season with only four potential opportunities. So you need to look at your four home games as your base potential opportunities 
and try to create additional opportunities on top of those to be able to create additional potential opportunities to make money to get you through the full season. And that's when most teams talk about fundraising situations. So they have to create additional fundraising opportunities and events above their regular season games because their regular season games are either not getting them through everything or their regular season games are not profitable to begin with. So number five, this is getting a little long on this section. So product, producers, productivity, potential opportunities, and promotion. So these do not come in a certain, I guess, way of evaluating them. Um, they're just the five P's. So you don't have to do one without the other. You don't have to do one before the other one starts. So what I'd like to say about promotion is that promotion is probably one of the most important because if you're trying to get people out to your events, you need the promotion. If you're trying to get people to your games, you need promotion. If you're trying to get more players, you need promotion. If you're trying to increase your product, if you're trying to increase your um, product when it comes to playing football, promotion because you want to get better players or players that will learn the game faster or will take the time to learn the game. So promotion, whether it's about upcoming games, players, events, without promotion, your organization is going to be less successful than with good promotion. So I'm gonna kind of stop right there. If you're starting to feel a little overwhelmed and wondering if you've gotten yourself in over your head, uh, stay strong and relax. Um, if this was your first season, second season, fifth season, whatever it is, and you're just not sure how things are going, um, I hope that you stay, stay strong and keep with it. Women's football ha has been around for years, but it really still is in its infancy. We still run on a grassroots business process approach. What that means is that we're still um, coming up with low cost or free ways of promoting and expanding women's football. And we're left to our own devices to kind of figure that out. My goal is to make some sense of this industry and bring some business principles that I've learned and that I've used in the past years to um, women's football because I feel that these business principles can help to make some changes in women's football. I hope you guys stop back soon. Um, we're working diligently on several webinars um, to help in the various areas of women's football. Um, for the owners, the coaches, the support staff, and players. So those should be coming out very, very quickly. I also wanted to share um, 
We are going to be sending out some emails to the people that have shared us uh, emails with regards to their women's football team. Um, if I have your email, I will send it out, send you out emails with upcoming webinars. If I don't have your email, you're not sure, uh, feel free to call me or to send it to womensfootballsuccess at gmail.com. If you're interested, um, sign up for a course. I'm probably going to... I. I'm thinking about, or I guess I'm contemplating, whether to send out a survey to the women football teams to determine which webinars they'd like to do first, because I'm working on like four at a time, which makes it slower to come to fruition. So if I'm working on four different tasks at a time, it makes it a little bit more difficult to get them finished. And I think I'm gonna put a survey out there to see maybe the top two that people want to see first so I can get those done and out there faster or more fast so that you can get those um, looked at and hopefully help you um, kind of keep growing throughout this 2018 season and get ready for 2019. So my goal in this is to get people to start thinking about the significant differences and similarities between women's football and other football in America. And rather than changing leagues and trying to move things around and play this team, play that team and do this and do that, um, and canceling teams out and forfeiting games, I want to embrace struggling teams. I want to recognize that teams are having a difficult time and that most teams are struggling. I also want I want to share with you real quick because I don't want you to think that, oh, I'm just standing up here giving you this information because I've never struggled in women's football or anything like that. Um, and so I want to share with you that women's football is an ongoing process. When I started in women's football uh, in 2009, um, we started with one team, the Lone Star Mustangs. Uh, we did we did we did a lot of things wrong. Um, we did some things where we thought, oh, well, we'll we'll get players in and we won't charge them a player, uh, we won't charge them a tryout fee. And but then the league, the NWFA, charged us a league fee, so we were already behind. Various different things that we did, um, just either not knowing or not thinking it would really impact our business as much. So. Each year we sit down and we reevaluate what went wrong, what went right. During the years that we spent off from women's football, we created some different ideas and strategies to help with women's football, but we weren't sure of the exact time frame of when we were going to get back into women's football. So um, in 2018, we actually had were planning to start a new team but we could not find a field in Northwest Arkansas that would allow women's football. Well, let me say it, let me say it differently. We were able to find one field that had porta potties. No locker rooms. Um, but we just, I mean, we could not put up some tents and put them off as locker rooms and, and think that that was going to show a good product, us coming into Northwest Arkansas for women's football. 
But apparently, um, this is a stadium that, or not a stadium, I can't even call it a stadium. This was a place where other women's football teams had played in Northwest Arkansas. Um, and it was okay because back then, a lot of the league rules didn't require locker rooms. Um, but we chose to not get into women's football that way. That's just not how we wanted to do it. So um, we st we stayed out for a while. But um, our this last season, um, I could share with you some of the things because I again we I started at the beginning of the season, start evaluating things, and then at the end of the season. We have another set of evaluation uh, where we talk about what we did wrong, what we did right, what we'll do better next year, what things we're going to fix, you know, things we're going to change, etc. Um, and from the from the get go, our team, the Dallas Elite, uh, struggled with a number of players. Um, when we came on February sixth, we knew we were somewhere between seven. And 15 players, 7 and 12 players, we're probably about 9 players. Um, so we had to do a lot of work to get our players up. With that being said, and you know, I can go back and forth, back and forth. We held tryouts and tryouts and tryouts, which I'll talk to you guys about in another episode. Because I want everybody to have 40 plus players next year. I can't do that myself. I can just give you the guidance, show you how to do it, and hopefully everybody will do it. We'll have all these awesome 40-plus player teams. But even with all these extras, extra tryouts that we did, we ended up having almost 50 people go through our team from that February 6th when we had about nine players to, until we stopped doing tryouts. But even with that, we ended up having, I don't know the exact number, I think it's 10 season-ending season ending injuries, um, which is more than we've had any, any year we've ever played. So we never expected to have 10 of those. Plus, we also had about five other injuries that weren't season-ending but were crippling. So um, that's just one example of how each – season is going to give you a different set of obstacles, a different set of things that are going on that you're going to have to kind of be flexible and work with. And at certain points during the season, you're just going to kind of have to roll with the punches as to, you know, if you didn't do enough tryouts at the beginning, then in May and June, you're going to have to deal with it. So, what I'd like to do is offer a more proactive approach rather than changing leagues and canceling out teams. How about we embrace the struggling teams, um, share the fact that most of the teams are struggling women's football teams, that we all want to be successful, and let's come together and help build women's football and get these teams having 40-plus players in 2019. I really appreciate your guys' time this week. Um, I hope you guys have a great week. Our next uh, playoffs are coming up, then championships coming up. We're actually having our end of season party in a couple days, so um, I'll have a bunch to share with you after that. I hope you guys have a great week. Talk to you guys later. Bye bye. Right. Thank you all tonight.